Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Tonight. Amen. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here tonight? Can somebody just say amen? Amen. I am glad. Like David said, I'm glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. And I am glad to be here in the house of God tonight. I'm so thankful that uh, I'm so thankful that you have chosen to be here on Wednesday night, chosen to be here tonight because uh, uh, it would be be kind of interesting just preaching to myself tonight. Yeah. But uh, but so thankful for all of you that are here tonight. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series tonight on uh, on prayer, and we're going to be looking at the. We're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be looking. At what it means to diligently seek God. And so I want you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. I'm going to kind of read one verse of scripture as a springboard of where we're going to go to tonight. And as you're turning there, as you're, as you're getting there, I feel like uh, over the last couple of days, really since Sunday... Uh, something that has just been on my mind. This is not part of. This is really not part of the message. But um, I want to. Uh, um, I try. I try very hard that when I preach and when I speak, not to preach from, not to talk about the headlines of what's going on. Because here's what I know. I know that um, the headlines change, but God's word doesn't. Um, but there is something, there's something that has happened over the last several days. And since we're talking about prayer, I feel like I need, I feel like that I, I wouldn't be a minister of the gospel if I didn't, uh, if I didn't at least tell you what's on my heart and what's on my mind. As many of you know, this past Sunday, um, there was, uh, there, uh, there was a pastor in Virginia that had an impromptu visit from our president of the United States. And what a lot of people don't know about the story is uh, President Trump was, in, uh, was actually in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, he was there um, to uh, visit with the families of some of the people who, who lost their lives of the tragic shooting that happened there in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And as he was leaving, um, as he was leaving, he had made a request, had actually asked uh, Pastor David Platt whether or not if it would be okay for him to stop by at the end of the service and for this pastor to pray for him. And I don't know if anybody has seen the video of this or not. But President Trump showed up. And, uh, and Pastor David Platt went ahead and prayed for him. Prayed one of the, in my opinion, one of the best, greatest prayers that you could ever pray for a leader. But what came out of that is the fact that we actually have people in churches all across America that are upset that this pastor prayed for our president. Now, I want to say this since we're talking about prayer. That pastor did what was biblical. And he prayed 
for he prayed for our president, for the leader of this country. And I just want to say this because I don't know, something just kind of stuck in my craw a little bit ever since this happened. But uh, I, I want to go on record that if anybody's got a problem with us praying for the leaders of the United States, we then are what is wrong with the church today. Uh, he did not. He did not endorse. He did not do anything except pray for him. And I want to say what we need to do with the day and the age that we are living in, and what is going on in America today. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for our president. We need to pray for our congressmen. We need to pray. We need to pray for our judges. We need to pray for. We need to pray for all of those that God put in authority. God is the one that put them there, whether they be Democrat, whether they be Republican, whether they be independent, God put them there. And so while I'm at it, let me go ahead and just say this before we move on. If, and because some people will say, amen, yeah, they should have, you know, yeah, he should have prayed for him. And just like we prayed, just like that he prayed for President Trump, if we're not willing to pray for the opposite side, then again, we are what's wrong with the church. And, and so I want to say that because I don't know where it has come from that because, because we agree or disagree with certain political ideas and certain political philosophies and what have you, that we can't pray for those that God has put in authority over us. So I want to go on public record. And this is not part of my message, but I just want to say I commend that pastor in Virginia for obeying the scriptures, for obeying the word of God and praying for our leaders. Can somebody say amen? Amen, amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. We're going to be talking tonight, continuing our series on prayer, and we are going to be talking about diligently seeking God. We have talked about what is prayer. We have talked about we have talked about why we need to pray. We have talked about what happens when we pray. We, last week we talked about the hindrances to our prayers. And sometimes there are things that hinder us in our prayer. But what happens when we diligently seek God? Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says this. And I, I've given all my scriptures to uh, to. Uh, Brother Jacob back there, and he's going to be putting them on the screen as well. Um, and so, but I want you to follow along. If you're able to take notes, take notes because I have, I believe I have some some truths to hand to you, to give to you here tonight as we look at prayer. Hebrews 11 and 6, the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Who is him? It is God. We're talking about God here. It's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to be talking about diligently seeking 
God. What does it mean that we diligently seek God? We're going to break down this verse here tonight. But I want you to remember something. I, when we talk about prayer, the goal of prayer, whenever we talk about prayer, whenever we talk about this fellowship with God, the goal of prayer is intimacy with God. The goal of prayer is fellowship with God. It is not the acquisition of things. If the only reason why we pray, if the only reason why, why we come to God is because we need something. Again, and you've heard me say this just about every week when it comes to prayer, but I want to drive the point home. If the only reason why we come to God is because we need something, we, we misunderstand what prayer is all about. Because the goal of prayer, the end result always of prayer should be that we know Him and that He knows us. But here is the interesting thing that I find about prayer. When we begin to diligently seek him, when we begin to seek his face instead of his hand, here's what I have come to realize. I have come to realize that extraordinary outcomes to prayer results in common people of faith being thrust into positions of power and influence. You see, when you begin to seek him, when you begin to seek His face, when you have those, 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 those moments that I like to call, I like to call them moments of intimacy with God. When you close yourself up in prayer with Him and you're seeking His face. What I find out is almost kind of by happenstance and by accident really, and, and I, don't, I hate to use those words, but sometimes, but sometimes it may seem that way, that we end up exactly where God wants us to be. I have found out that people of prayer, people who diligently seek the face of God, these people impact nations. These people influence history. If you want to be a person that influences somebody, if you want to be a person that impacts your home, if you want to be somebody that impacts your community, impacts your county, impacts your state, be somebody that diligently seeks God. If you'll be somebody that diligently seeks God, you'll be amazed at where God will put you at. The places that God will Will, will place you. The people that God will put you in contact with. You see, a lot of times, I don't know about you, I don't go looking for such outcomes. You see, here's the thing. I know, I know uh, as, as, as an evangelist, I know other evangelists that, that travel from church to church just so they can make a connection somewhere. But I want to tell you, if you, if you pray and you seek the face of of God, the connections will come to you. God will always put you in the place that you are meant to be when you diligently seek Him. Amen. That's what we find in Hebrews chapter 11. 
It's the hall of faith chapter I like to call. Because we find out that those that are diligently seeking Him, those that are placing their faith and their trust in Him, we find out that God begins to do amazing things, takes ordinary men and women and does extraordinary things through them. And what we got to understand that while we don't go looking for such things when we see God, when we seek God, but they happen as we pursue and we obey God. You see, too many times we view faith in terms of what we can get, what we can acquire, what we can obtain. If you don't believe me, turn on any most major television ministries and you'll find out. They'll say, you know, well, if you just have faith, you can have a bigger bank account. You can drive a new car. You can drive. You can have this and you can have that. But too many times we view faith in the in in terms of what we can get. But here's the thing that I realized about prayer. The great acquisition of prayer is God. It is getting to know Him. It is getting to know Him in ways that nobody else knows. Have you ever met somebody? Have you ever been in contact with somebody that you know? You didn't have, they didn't have to say anything to you. They didn't, have, they didn't have to brag about it. But you knew as soon as you walked into their presence, you knew that they had been in the presence of God. Very few people in my life have ever, ever had that problem. They're, one of my spiritual heroes, Brother Ray Hughes, great minister, has since now gone on to be with the Lord. One of the great preachers of, 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 of the past 100 years. I remember the very first time that I was ever in service with him where he preached. He was already confined to a wheelchair. He was already confined to a wheelchair. And they had to roll him out on stage for him to preach because he could not walk anymore. But as soon as they wheeled him out, all of a sudden I looked at the person that was sitting next to me. I said, did you feel that? I said, the atmosphere just changed when he came out. Because there was something about when we diligently seek the face of God. When we diligently try to get to know him, that He reveals Himself to us in ways that are in that are unimaginable things that we could not comprehend. But when the world comes in contact with us, they know that we have been with Jesus. Yes, amen. You see, the greatest change that comes to us when we pray, when we seek Him. The greatest change that comes to us is the transformation. There is a transformation when you diligently seek Him. And let me tell you what that transformation is. That transformation is not Him trying to please us, but us trying to please Him. Because the Scripture says that when we come to God, we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And through that, when we diligently seek the Lord, 
It transforms us so it becomes less really about us. And God, give me this, give me one of these, give me two of those, and I needed this yesterday. To us saying, God, what can I do today that will please you? John 8 and 29. If you would put it on the screen, let's take a look at this scripture. Jesus speaking. And he says, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please him. How could Jesus say that? Because Jesus spent time praying to the Father. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, Paul the Apostle writes, he says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. The New King James says that we may be well pleasing to Him. The word accepted in the Greek means to be pleasing. That means that what we do in everything that we do, God, I want to please you. I want you to look at me and go, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It says, for this reason or for this cause, we also, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that in everything that we do, church, we need to understand when we get up in the morning, when we go to work throughout the day, when our interactions that we have with our family, if we have not been diligently seeking God, how can we say, how can we ever come to the place that we would be pleasing to Him? You see, prayer, diligent prayer, transforms us so we are no longer looking at what pleases us but rather what pleases God. And here is what we need to understand. And if you're taking notes you can write this down. The rewards of prayer are greater than the answers to prayer. There is a difference between the reward and the answer. Because I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes, Pastor Tony, we don't get an answer. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but let me just share this with you real quick here. God doesn't answer every prayer. God's not obligated to answer every prayer. And I'm not even talking about what we talked about last week about hindrances to prayer. Sometimes God just doesn't answer 
your prayer. It's not a yes. It's not a no. It's not a maybe. Sometimes God just doesn't say anything. Ah, uh, I don't want to get away from my notes, but if you need Bible for that, look at the book of Job. When Job is going through everything that he is facing, when he has lost everything, when he has lost his family, when he has lost his wealth, when he has lost his home, when, when the enemy has come against him and has attacked him with boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, he begins to cry out to God and he wants an answer. And nowhere do I read that God ever gave him an answer. As a matter of fact, when God finally showed up, God said, Job, stand up because I've, I've got some questions I want to ask you. And he begins to say, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? If you have understanding, go ahead and speak. It is like what Isaiah said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And we got to understand, sometimes God just doesn't answer our prayer. But God will always reward our prayers. So here are a few points that I want to make mention. I'm going to try not to be too long tonight. God is a rewarder that diligently seek Him. And that's the key. Because the scripture says that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So many times we seek everything else except Him. Even in times of honest, heartfelt prayer, we're seeking the miracle. We're seeking the breakthrough. We're seeking the finances. We're seeking the healing. But God said, you don't, you're not supposed to seek any of that. He said, what you're supposed to seek first and foremost above everything is me. Don't just see, we got too many people. Too many people in churches all across the land that are seeking His hand rather than His face. To get to know Him. They want what they can get. Can I just share something with you? And I know we're, we are a Pentecostal church and I am proud of my Pentecostal heritage. But I want to tell you something. Go on a study, through the, at least through the New Testament, about those that were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And here's something that you'll find. Not one of them sought for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They didn't come down to an altar. They didn't come into a prayer meeting and go, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Didn't do it. But here's what they did do. They preached and they sought after Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, John said, is the one who baptizes in the Holy Ghost. He is the one. And so here's the thing. Too many times we're seeking everything else. We're seeking what we can get. But God says, you need to seek me. I wish that God would raise up people in the church. 
that are just not seeking to get through the day. We're just not just seeking to get our bills paid. We're not just seeking to have a breakthrough so that we don't have a mental breakdown. But we are seeking Him. Because here's the thing. If we diligently seek Him, in Him is healing. In Him is breakthrough. In Him is deliverance. In Him is all of these things the Bible says that pertains unto life and godliness. But a lot of times those things are hindered because we would rather seek those instead of Him. And he says, God is a rewarder of them that seek him. How many times, and I know I've asked this before, but how many times have you ever had somebody, it could be a family member, it could be a friend or whatever, that just call you and you look at the phone as soon as it begins to ring, And the first thing that comes to your mind is, well, I wonder what they want right now. Because the only time that they call is when they need something. It's when they want, they want, they need you to do something. And then it's, oh, you're just the greatest thing. I love you. I love you, mama. I love you, daddy. I love you. I love you, brother. I love you, sister. I love you, friend. and, And what have you. And then as soon as that thing is taken care of, Bye-bye. And I think a lot of times that's how we treat God. God, I need, I need this. And you know how much I love you, God? But how many times do we come to God and just say, God, I just want to talk to you? You see, here's another point. We need to lay hold of the one Who answers instead of laying hold of an answer. We need to stop seeking answers. And start seeking the one who can give the answers. My God, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. We need to stop seeking the answers and the miracle. And start seeking the one that can really do something about what you're going through. I look at it this way. It's like finding a well when you're dry and thirsty. And leaving with a cup of water when you could have had the whole well. And I think a lot of times, especially... In Pentecostal churches, I'm not preaching against. I'm not preaching against other denominations. I want to talk about us, but I think a lot of times what happens is is that we come down to an altar, and as long as we can just fall out and feel something for about five minutes in the altar, then that's good. But at the same time, God is standing there going, "But there's so much more that you could have had. You could have had me." Instead, you wanted a feeling. Instead, you wanted a goosebump. Instead, you wanted a tongue. Instead, you wanted a prophecy. Instead, you wanted something. You wanted to fall out in the floor. I'm thankful for all. I'm not against any of that. But how many of us would truly say, when I come to an altar, I am there to know Him. Paul said that I may know Him. 
that's what we need to do. You see, Jacob in the Bible, in Genesis, was changed when he wrestled not with the promise, but with the one who promised. My goodness, I feel my help coming on right now. He was changed. You see, we hear, there's too much talk. There's too much talk in the modern church today about our purpose and about our destiny. And if we could just follow our dreams, if we could just follow our purpose, if we could just follow, if we could just follow the vision, and, and, I, and, and, and all of that has its place, all of that has its, has, its proper, has its proper place in the church. But I want to tell you, if you do all of that, if that's what you're clinging to, it'll fall apart. But Jacob said, I will not let you go. He's not talking about a promise. He's not, ta- he's not talking about a dream. He's not ta- he is talking about the Lord Himself. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until there's been a change in me. I won't let you go. I'm tired of being a trickster. I'm tired of being a deceiver. God, I need you to change me. That's what I need. I don't need anything else. I don't need cattle or houses or land or anything like that. God, I need you to change me. And Jacob was changed. When he wrestled with the one who promised, rather than wrestling with the promise. Listen to what goes on also. When he says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Writer of Hebrews says, without faith, when we're praying, when we're diligently seeking Him, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Are we attempting God to please us? Or do we ask to do what pleases Him? When is the last time in your time of prayer you have asked, God, will you show me what I need to do that pleases you? Now see, here's the thing. That's a very dangerous question to ask because sometimes you may not like the answer. There's been a lot of times I have asked that question. And I'm just going gonna, gonna to be honest with you right now. Sometimes I get to the point in my own life, my own walk with God, I don't ask questions of God like that any, hardly sometimes. Because there are times I don't like the answer And sometimes, Pastor Tony, the answer is painful. Sometimes the answer hurts. Sometimes it's not something that's joyful. Sometimes it's not. But if we're going to be what he wants us to be, it's got to be from the place of instead of God please me, to God what pleases you. The benchmark, it is the benchmark of healthy praying. So, are you a God pleaser or a man pleaser? That's what we have to ask ourselves when we pray. Are we trying to please ourselves? 
are we trying or are we is our heart towards pleasing God? And then he says, he who comes to God. You see, prayer isn't merely self-talk. I think the problem that we have with prayer in the modern church is the fact that when we begin to pray, that we come down into the altar or at home and we say a bunch of things and then we get up and we're done. And we leave. And if you're, if you're taking notes, you're writing anything down, you need to understand this. Prayer is not prayer until you've talked to God and God has talked back to you. I make it a personal thing of my prayer life that if I pray for 10 minutes, I wait on God for 10 minutes. If I pray... For an hour, verbally, then I wait an hour to see what God has to say. Because I realize that as much as I want to talk to God, God wants to talk to me just as much. And God hears us when we pray. And that person who comes to God... When we come to God, we must believe that He is a rewarder. A rewarder. He's a good God. We need to understand that. He is a good God. How does our perception of God affect our prayer life? Do we come to God and we pray to God... Do we think that He's hearing us when we pray? Do you think that He is willing to to reward us when we pray? I know some people, when they have come to me and asked me, Brother Jeremy, I need you to pray for me. I need you you to to pray for me. the, The first thing that I will ask is, here's the thing. I, I'm just, and I'm just being, I'm just being honest with you. I, I don't have time. I don't have time to waste words. I don't have time to waste words. So here's the thing. Listen to me. I love you. I appreciate you. I love every single one of you. But if you come to me and ask me to pray for you, and I look at you and say, "Do you believe?" and you tell me, and you got to stumble over your words, and go, uh, 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 I, 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 I'm not going to waste my words because we need to understand. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. See, my my thing is is that a lot of times I won't pray with you. I won't pray for you. I'll pray with you. Because as pastor preached just a few Sundays ago, that wherever two or three agree as touching any one thing, it shall be done. And I don't want church to be filled with a place where we really don't know if God is, is going to answer us. Because at that point, that's not prayer. That's just wishful thinking. But we've got to understand that He is a rewarder. And see, that's the thing that Satan 
always tries to do. You see, I at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3, if you read it, the number one strategy of the enemy against your life is to make you doubt the character of God. You see, he doesn't mind. He doesn't, he, the enemy, Satan, does not care that you are here tonight. He doesn't sit back and go, oh my goodness, they came to church tonight. But even if you can sit here, and if he can make you doubt what, he, what God said, who he is. That's what he did in the garden. When he looked at Eve and he said, well, did God really say? Did God really mean what he said? And that is the same thing that he does to us today. Is that he will come to us and he will say, I, I, I know you're praying, but do you, do you really believe that God cares enough about you? To do what you're asking him to do. To be that rewarder. I, I, I know that he said that, that, that he is Jehovah Rapha. That he is the God that heals. But you know, you've been dealing with this for far. You've been dealing with this for too long. And if he really loved you, don't you think that he would have already healed you by now? And then what ends up happening is, we stand back and go, well... Maybe God really doesn't care. And before you know it, you don't pray anymore. Before you know it, you come to church. And the power of God can be moving. The Spirit of God can be moving in the service. And you're just sitting here with your arms folded. Preacher asks you to lift up your hands and to worship God. And you just... Well... I guess I hit it. I'm not trying. I'm, listen, I'm not trying. But that's what the enemy. I'm not trying to be mean. But that's what the enemy wants to do. He will tempt us not to trust God. But listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter eight, starting at verse thirty-three. Brother Jacob, you put that on the screen. He says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. He says, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yet rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Stop right there. Go back to that verse. Because I want you to understand something. Even when you're not praying, God's praying. Even when you don't feel like praying, I want to let you know there's somebody at the right hand of the Father that is calling out your name. Even when you don't feel like saying a hallelujah, there's somebody that is praying for you. And that is the reason why he said, even when you don't open your mouth, the Spirit of the Holy, the Spirit of God is praying for you. I want to tell you, even when you feel condemned, even when you feel like a failure, even when you feel like giving up, I want to tell you there is somebody in heaven praying for you. He said, and he maketh intercession for us. 
Go to the next verse. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You see, Paul is getting ready to answer that question. Because when we diligently seek God, the enemy will come along and say, God, God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God won't reward you. God won't do anything. But this verse, Paul asks the question, what is it that is going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation do it? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? Go to the next verse. He says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Go ahead. He says, nay, that means nothing. No, not one thing. And all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him. That what? Through him that loved us. If you're sitting in this house tonight and you're wondering if God loves you, if God is even hearing you, if God is even thinking about you, I want to tell you this verse right here, Romans 8 and 37 says, Nay, listen, you need to understand that we are more than conquerors through him that love us. Go to the next verse. It says, For I am persuaded. Paul said, I'm convinced, and there's nothing else you're going to be able to do to convince me otherwise. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to tell you tonight, the enemy may want to try to come by to tell you that you are separated from God, that he doesn't hear you. But my Bible says that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. Give him praise in this house tonight. You see, there are many things that are out to separate you from God and his love for you. And listen to what Jude said. Put up Jude. It says, but ye beloved, when you feel like this, when you feel like that God won't hear you, and you feel like that God won't answer you. Listen to what he says. He says, but ye beloved, building yourselves up. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. I want to say right there, before we go any further, that there are times I don't know what to pray. There are times I don't know what to say. There are times that I just don't have the words. But those are the times that the Spirit of God begins to start, begins to pray through me in a language that I don't understand. I don't even understand what I'm saying, but I know, I know that God Himself knows. I know that He knows. And when I feel discouraged, when I feel depressed, when I feel like that God's not listening to me, when I feel like that all hell is coming against me. Here's what the Bible said I'm supposed to do. I need to build up myself on my most holy faith and I need to pray in the Holy Ghost. 
When's the last time that a dear brother or a dear sister here in this house tonight has said I've prayed in the Holy Ghost because I didn't know what else to pray and so the Spirit of God started praying through me. That's how you build yourself up in prayer. Yes. Go to verse 21. And it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Because when you build yourself up, you keep yourself in the love of God. When we go to God in prayer, we become more than conquerors. And nothing can derail us. You need to understand that. You need to understand that when we come to God, when we diligently seek His face, nothing can derail us. Now here's what I want to tell you. Do not use the answer to prayer as a means to measuring God's love for you. Do not do that. That's the quickest way to get discouraged, depressed, and feel condemned. If you start measuring God's love by whether or not if He answers the prayer the way that you think it should be answered. Now listen, I know this. What I'm getting ready to what, what I'm getting ready to say doesn't it, it is going to is it is not very spiritual. But there's a song that I hear ever so often on my Pandora app, and I tell you. It, it's it's not meant to be it's not meant to be a Christian song, but every time that I hear it, there's so much truth to it that I can't help but say, God, thank you. But Garth Brooks sings a song that says, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. And I want to tell you, there are times in my life that I've had to stop because I thought that I knew. That I knew what was best for me. And I said, God, if you really loved me, you would do this for me. God, if you knew me, you would, if you really loved me, you would do this. But looking back, looking back at where what God had prepared me for, sometimes I just have to throw my head up and say, God, I thank you for not answering my prayer, for not giving me what I want. Because if you would have given me what I want, it would have derailed the plan that you had for me. So we don't need to measure God's love. By the type of answer. If answers come, we feel love. And we say things like, well, God, if you love me, you would do this or you would do that. And I want to tell you in the last few minutes that I have here. Any prayer that puts God in a position to prove his love for you. Is manipulation. If you have to go to God and say, God, if you love me, you do this for me. We see it in families, husbands and wives, a wife or a husband that'll look at the other and say, Well, if you really loved me, you would do this for me. And I want to tell you that is a spirit of manipulation. And I would dare say 
it borderlines on being witchcraft and occultic. If God has to prove His love for you, the only evidence that you need to know that God loves you is on the cross at Calvary. And it's not whether or not if He heals you. It's not whether or not if He gives you money in the bank account. That is not proof of God's love. But love should always precede prayer. And our faith increases when you know God loves you. And if I really believe God loves me, I have no room for doubt. And I know that He will take care of me. Pastor Tony, if you come. Two more things that I want to say. I'm going to try to get them done within, within three to four minutes if I possibly can. So that we can pray. Sometimes we get when we're seeking diligently. And we don't see the answer. Sometimes it's easy for us to get discouraged. There are 650 prayers recorded in the Bible. Out of the 650 prayers that are recorded in the Bible, there are 450 recorded answers. But prayer is more than a request system. We need to understand tonight, church, that God rewards us when we seek Him. Rewards are not the same as answers. Because the rewards of pursuing Him are far greater than any answer you would ever anticipate. Because let me tell you this. This is today while I was at work. The Lord brought this scripture to my mind and I really believe that God spoke to me something. But Jake, you put Matthew 6 and 6 up there. He says, but thou, when you pray, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, get into that secret place. Get into that place where it's just you and God. You shut off the television, you shut off everything else. Shut the door so it's just the two of you. He says, and pray to the Father which is in secret. And this is what he says. He says, and the Father which sees in secret. That means in those 
moments of intimacy with us. See, that's the thing. See, and I'm not, and if I'm if I'm being if I'm being crude here, please forgive me. That's that's the thing about intimacy. Everybody's not supposed to see those moments. Those are special moments. And you don't talk about you don't talk about those moments to just anybody. But he says, so those moments of intimacy that you have with me that is in secret. He says. I'll reward you openly. I can always, Sister Kent, I can always, when I'm out in public, I'm a people watcher. I, I, I do. I'm, it may come off creepy to some people, but I, 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 I watch people. I'm very, I'm very observant. And I can always tell just about every time when I see a couple out in public, I can tell a lot of the times if they're really in love or if they're just putting up a front. what I've really felt like that the Lord laid on my heart today when he led me to those script, that scripture there are those under the sound of my voice that have had those moments with him and he says you've cried saw my face just to be closer to me. Now, those moments that you have had with me in private, I am now going to show forth the reward openly. that's what God is getting ready to do. I believe God is getting ready to reward some people openly because they have diligently 
saw the face of God. I want to say this and then we're going to pray. This coming up August, it'll be 18 years. I know that doesn't seem a lot to some, but 18 years that I've walked with God. I can't say that I've always got it right. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna be very, very honest with you. And you can you vote me out after it if you want to. But you really don't have to dig too deep to find dirt on me. Just try a little bit and you'll find somebody that doesn't like me for whatever reason or another. And I'm not saying I've always gotten it right. But here's how my prayer life for me has developed over these almost now 18 years. And that is I've learned to be still and to say, God, I'm not here to ask you of anything. I'm here just to be with you. And then it's in those moments that he says, now, what will you have me to do? And this is what the Lord spoke to me today. Actually, it was a couple of days ago when he reminded me of it again today. And I believe this for some of us here in this house tonight. Because we have sought the Lord. We have diligently sought after him. I've heard him say that people will not be able to ignore what I will do in you and through you because of what because of the time that you have spent in the secret place. So stand with me all over this house. I want us to take time to pray. I want us to take time to seek his face. So whether at your seat or at this altar, wherever it would be, I want to challenge you to come find a place to pray and take a few moments to diligently seek the face of God. Would you come? Would you pray? God bless you.